I think we might have gone a little bit long with Scott. Yeah, but what a great conversation. Hello and welcome to the third episode of What's Mops Got to Do With It, the marketing operations podcast that's trying to get to the bottom of what marketing operations looks like in the corporate landscape. I'm Carla Wentworth. And I'm Simon Daniels. So who have we got kicking us off today, Simon? In our marketing leader segment, we will be speaking to Scott Vaughan, a seasoned CMO and growth accelerator. Amazing. And then to follow that later on, we've got marketing operations and strategic marketing operations partner at VMware, Emily Gravel, who's joining us um, to share her MOPS knowledge. And of course, we'll be grabbing a virtual coffee with Courtney. So Carla. What is happening to you in the world of marketing operations consulting? So interesting for me this week, um, no, not new news, although new activity. Um, Adobe acquired a workflow management tool called Workfront last year. Um, and we're Workfront partners, so have an awful lot to, to do with them and those processes. But what we've seen um, over the last couple of weeks is the first rollout of uh, the the native integrations and new bits of functionality that link Workfronts to the rest of the Adobe suite. Always so, interesting uh, to see how an acquirer starts incorporating the, the, the product they've acquired in, into their own stack. Absolutely. And what's really interesting about this, and I don't think Workfront would chastise me for saying it, but Workfront doesn't have that beautiful, slick, lovely um, sexy interface that the rest of the Adobe world does. So right. they've got some some way to go and some ground to travel to kind of bring that into the family. But it does feel like this is the start of that, um, yeah. and it's going to make things much much easier for creatives who can and market operations people who can still use their tool of choice yet benefit from the the features of the rest of the suite. Right. Well, we're mops, so we don't worry too much about aesthetic. So what are you seeing as the benefits of using Workfront and in particular the the new, the new and improved integrations? So work, Workfront as a workflow management system is um, probably one of the, the, the top users, the, the creme de la creme of workflow management systems. Um, you're just going to see efficiency improvements done right. Um, equally, I can say if you do it wrong, it, it can be a big burden to you. But um, if it's done right, you can save countless uh, FTE and um, automation, delivery of reports, of data, um, understanding where your work is, how accurate it is, how many versions, routing requests to the right people. It's, it's mm -hmm. limitless. Um, but the integration has become even more important. You say it all the time, 9,000 tools out there. Mm -hmm. um, you really need to be able to seamlessly move through one to another and have consistency of data. Um, right. There's no point having to update five or six different tools that I know that every marketing department will be using. You really want those tools to be talking to each other. And the true definition of omni-channel, you know, not mm. multi-channel, omni-channel where things talk to each other and right. um, explain what they're doing. So there are huge benefits out there. Integration is going to blow in the next 18 months. Um, and this mm. is just a tiny step into, into that space for, for Adobe and Workfront. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, there are other workflow management tools available, of course. And um, in actual fact, I'm working with um, a, a, a tool called Teamwork, which is um, from a, an Irish-based company. And um, I really like it from a, a kind of simplicity point of view, although it's it's pretty powerful and and you know as always we're we're scratching five or ten percent of it at most, but you know I can already see the benefit from the point of view of having a, a central system where requests are coming in and then task management takes place, assignment, collaboration, and these kinds of things. Um, you know, compared to the old way of doing it of just emails flying everywhere or track spreadsheets and so on, um, it's making a big improvement. But certainly that integration piece, um, you know, we don't really have anything on, on that front. So um, it'll be interesting to see what what the possibilities are and, um, and, and how that works out for us. Yeah, and you mentioned collaboration. Collaboration is one of the key reasons why people take on workflow management tools, um, just making sure that everybody is working together to the same common goal. Right. Um, and there are, you know, you're right, there's there's hundreds of workflow management tools there, if not thousands, actually. And even mm. the technology that's out there is starting to develop um, project management or task management um, into whatever systems there are out there. So you're going to see duplicating functionality as well. Yeah. But um, yeah. but yeah, there's no doubt about it. If you do it and you do it right, it's going to drive some efficiency through your marketing. Yeah. Well, 
um that's uh, good advice and with that let's okay then simon it's time for us to kick off with our marketing leader segment uh who have we got today well, I'm really excited to have our guest joining us today, a real heavy hitter in, in the marketing space, a uh, huge amount of experience um, in a variety of CMO roles. So we welcome today Scott Vaughan. Scott, great to have you on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. You guys are uh, getting fired up already. Yes, indeed. Um, we, uh, we, we do our best to inject a bit of enthusiasm into, uh, into the marketing operations space. Um, so, Scott, let's um, start off. Just tell us a bit about yourself and your background and uh, what you're doing at the moment. Yeah, so I uh, worked in, came out of uh, school, university, like everybody, and uh, stumbled in and found myself in the tech world. Mm -hmm. uh, just happenstance. No, no plan there. And in a marketing role and spent uh, a good amount of time and the company skyrocketed in growth. I said, I wanted, this sounds like a good thing to do for my career. And, and, and right. it took off from there. I spent a little bit of time in sales because I wanted to learn that craft. But the last 10 or 12 years, I really centered my time around using technology and data uh, to really move marketing to more of a business value driver. Uh, to really focus in on uh, digital and multi-channel demand and all the things that need to be done today. So that's been my course, CMO in, in MarTech, CMO um, in the data world, uh, the last few gigs. And then today, I, I took a break this summer from uh, a run, a seven-year run at Integrate, which was really so satisfying and a great company, great team. But um, right now I'm, I'm consulting and, and doing some advisory work and getting to work with lots and lots of different uh, CXO teams. And it's been very satisfying. It's interesting what you say about stumbling into marketing. I have to say, I always wanted to work in marketing, but lots of people do seem to uh, to stumble into it. Um, so um, the yeah, accidental marketer, it's called. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's ninety nine percent of the of the marketing. Yeah, well, it happens. I actually went to school for marketing, so you know, mm -hmm. but that didn't mean anything. I still stumbled into it. Right? Yeah, yeah, indeed. And it's interesting. Also, you you said you deliberately sought out that sales stint. Uh, how how has that paid off, if you like, or what what you know value has that been for you over your career do you think um, I think invaluable and you know one of the things I think that makes somebody when you I don't care if you're leading marketing ops or you're leading marketing or you're leading finance the more experience and lenses you have I think the more valuable you are in that seat because marketing or marketing ops does not sit on an island right you have your business partners and colleagues but what sales did for me is it really helped me understand the view of the uh, market being in market and seeing and listening versus pontificating and doing research. Of course, you have to do that, but really allows you to get a, a good feel and understanding and projection of where you need to go. And then also the customer centricity. You, you know, all of the messaging and product work I, I, I do over time is authentic words because you're pulling it in directly from the market. And I think that's important. So sales really added that. And then of course, the third thing is, and all of our MOPS pals know this, sales is a pretty big force in most companies. So right. understanding the psyche of sales and yeah. helping them do their job and be better at their craft because of what we can provide is so important. So mm -hmm. empathy is a big, was a big boost as well. Uh, I, I have a very clear opinion and it's, I haven't changed it in probably eight, nine years. Stop trying to align sales and marketing. They're two different people and two different functions. What you can do is set common goals and rewards and reward teams for that. What you can do is integrate a lot of the process and the available data. And, you know, if you're going to do a, a demand to revenue or a lead to revenue model, uh, those things can really help better than any technology or better than any mandate. The sales and marketing are different functions. Now, that being said, it's important because all my pals will, mops pals will kick my butt if I don't get this right. Marketing is playing a larger role in the, in the buying and selling process. So marketing really has to have empathy and understanding because as we know, as the world's gone digital and buyers have gone more remote, that those shifts are really meaningful for marketing 
and especially that just to me lifts the marketing ops profession. Yeah, really interesting comments there about stop stop trying to align sales and marketing. Mm. Um, maybe um, that it, it it's just I don't know too difficult or too too much energy goes into it and it's the wrong wrong thing to focus on. That's an interesting point of view. Well, I think that you can overthink it. You right. need sales and marketing working together as one function. And yeah. I would argue customer success is a big part today sure. because so much more is on recurring revenue. And you look at um, financial statements today, you're seeing why. I mean, the recurring revenue and selling to existing customers has become a massive and important theme. So I want to be clear on my point of view, sales and marketing needs to be aligned, but focusing on alignment usually doesn't do enough or it's not aimed in the right outcome, in my yeah. view, in my yeah. experience. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's almost, it, it, it's, I don't know, it's, it's an outcome um, or maybe it's not an outcome. Maybe it's it's just doing it for the sake of it, or even just just nice talk. Whereas, as you say, common goals and uh, and objectives that that's what that's what's important. And if you focus on those things, I guess you will be aligned. Yeah, and and rewards and and culture and you know all those things that seem soft, but those are really the things that make it work. Right. There's plenty right. of technology. We know there's enough data to. <laughs> change the world. We don't know all that. It's, yeah. it's the other stuff. I think that you have to get right. A, a question we, we always like to ask of, of seasoned CMOs and, and uh, people that have, that have been in marketing leadership roles is what is the perception of marketing operations at, at that level? And um, how, how are, uh, are MOPS people seen uh, among marketing leadership? What, what's, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's mixed. Uh, honestly, it, mm -hmm. it, I, I think there are different leaders that have different views depending on their experience. And it also depends on how digitally and data mature your organization is of how they think about marketing ops. So let's take, you know, I would say that 30 or 40 percent of companies and, and what maybe that looks like. So from my chair, again, this is one view, but I try to um, practice this and share this uh, is. Uh, the marketing ops is like the chief of staff to me, to marketing, mm -hmm. the leader. It's, it's how do I run marketing like a business? Now, the problem is it was the best thing that ever happened to marketing. <clears throat> if you take back in the time machine, mm -hmm. come with me, 2007, <laughs> eight-ish, and marketing automation comes on the scene and, and we move from the uh, the logo and the product marketing and the brand marketing teams and did trade shows and events. And, and then along started to come some technology that could have us have our own database and, mm. you know, and marketing automation came into play and marketing was probably the last department to not have automation. So yeah. all of a sudden we had some capabilities and we used them, I think pretty well over seven or eight years to get marketing some credibility. We still have a lot of work to do. So there's a whole marketing ops generation that was born out of that. So there's one view that, you know, uh, they're the, you know, marketing automation, they build the infrastructure, they run the database, they do programs. That's a view. I don't have that view. That mm -hmm. is a function inside marketing ops, but that's not what marketing ops should be doing. Today, marketing ops should be, Yes, putting in an infrastructure, but that infrastructure has to have a much broader view than marketing. It has to be connected to the financial systems and instruments of the company. Yeah. It has to be connected to all things that are touching customers, including sales systems and customer success systems. Um, and when I say systems, I'm not just saying tech. I mean, systematically, the data, the process, all the things that go with it. In, in my opinion, the best mark, MOPS teams really have an eye on the prize of understanding the business. Uh, and what are the business priorities so that uh, they can help marketing align with that. So I, I have a little bit more expansive definition of marketing ops than I do of some organizations where, hey, I need to find an ops person to run my systems and data. Mm, yeah. I, I think it's interesting, Scott, that you kind of took us back in the time machine there because we were there. Yeah. We were and, there. and also, we'll we'll drop some harp music in for that flashback. Simon and I often have this kind of That's showdown. So of, good, by the way, Simon. That was right. I, I felt <laughs> he get his harp out. Um, <laughs> we we uh, have this competition about who's been in marketing operations longer, and and you know we we were back in the day when before two thousand and eight, before before whatever. So so question to you is, when do you think marketing operations actually became a thing? 
Like, can you put a, a pin in the year or the time? Yeah, I, I think it was, you know, don't get hold me to a date because someone will Google it and, and <laughs> you can make a whole business case of why I'm wrong. But I would say roughly 2010, you started to see a shift where it was becoming a requirement that you had this function uh, for the companies that were the most advanced in terms of digital and data. You start to see that function come into play. Now, I'm a little bit more biased towards um, uh, more, I'll say, enterprise-like, longer sales cycles, education needs to happen. Those are the companies I've worked for in, in, uh, in growth and in marketing roles. So that's, that's a little bit more of my bias. But I think that's where marketing ops started to form. And you could see it formed during a time where marketing automation was the center of the world. And I don't mean just marketing automation, those systems. We were, they were there to automate marketing and to try to defend the spend and justify and try to figure out attribution, you know, small things. And today, when you see that it, when marketing ops gets lifted to be more of a business driver and business minded first, mm. then I think you see the impact. Then the, the automation, the systems, the data, the, all the reporting becomes smarter and more relevant to the stakeholders. So that to me is why I, I see the difference. It really, when, when I talk to marketing ops people and, and I always say, lift your head up, look out, you know, get, get an expansive view because that's your future. There is nothing wrong, by the way, of having a wonderful career in marketing ops in and systems and data. We need talent in our world so desperately. And if you're mm -hmm. good at it, you have a wonderful career ahead of you. Right. Because talent is very hard to find. It's so important, not just to marketing teams, but the companies. So that is awesome. But the opportunity, Carla, to your point of we're in the next wave, marketing ops is just, the, uh, just a great place to be, especially if you have the business mind and experience helping companies go digital and being able to use data and be able to integrate your, your stack and systems, not just in marketing, but with the rest of the company. That to me is a formula that's very strong. Such Absolutely. a great answer, Scott, because I believe that right now, um, there's a big change happening right now, right now. So as you say, it's super exciting to be here. It's super exciting. The talent out there is, you know, is rare. We need to get more into there. But right now is where marketing operations is just going to boom, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, it, it is going to boom. It, it is booming, but it's going to take another level, I think, because you can see it. And if you've watched other professions or form, um, sorry, side note, I feel like the time machine, get the music cute, Simon. Get the harp, but, get the harp, Simon. Yeah, go. <laughs> but no, if you think about, you remember when CRM came into play and we can learn from these things because there's going to be, say it's a customer data platform is the next thing that we or data lake we want to build around. But when that came into play, everybody looked around and go, who's going to run it? No one had experience doing this. So someone raises their hand. I can figure that out. And this, you know, a young group of people said, I'll do it. And they built incredible careers and were so sought after and coveted and they had an advantage. Well, that's going to keep happening because whatever our next platform is, and I don't mean just the tech, but the platform thinking, that's really going to change up the way, um, the opportunity to keep doing that. Interesting what you've just said around that piece of technology. We had um, a conversation in, in the series earlier with uh, Helen Abramova, and she said she felt like it was time to pick your poison, to pick your tool and become an expert at that tool. Um, and you know, you, you've just alluded to get your head up and be a bit more. Do you think that there is a, a system route that you need to go down, like you become um, a Marketo or a Pardo or a, a whatever specialist? Or do you, do you think there are roles where there are broader, more holistic marketing operations? I think both. I think you can pick a career path where you're an expert on a platform as long as you're constantly um, upgrading your skills because... You know, you can't sit on one platform. Technology changes, it gets passed by, it's passe. You know, that's just the nature of innovation and technology and the cycles are just going to get faster. But there is nothing wrong with that path. There is a place for you if you're in MOPS and you have a deep understanding of a specific platform or system or type. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying, when I say pick your head up, because MOPS is so critical to the business and certainly... Uh, if you're running marketing like a business, it's critical to marketing. 
there is an opportunity for marketing operations really to, to take on a much bigger purview. Mm-hmm. And that job, that role, that career is there too. So it's, I don't think it's one or the other. Uh, and I'm not one to, to mince answers, and, but I think you have both paths are, are strong. Yeah. And I wonder whether those two paths are going to become very different things, though. You know, the marketing operations is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, I read somewhere that it's 80 percent of the marketing function uh, and, the, and the little bit is just the, the marketing strategy that's left over. I wonder whether the marketing operations is going to branch into different. Gyms. Yeah, I think that's an interesting question. I'm, I'm not sure it branches. I, I think yeah. it that the, the mission, if, if it's done well and done right inside a company, and the career is built around it, marketing operation just becomes embedded versus branching. Because if you branch, you can get on an island somehow, you know, to take this analogy further. And I, I think that's what happens to functions. If you look at, you know, over time, when they get put on an island, they become less and less effective. You need to be at the center, not because it's an ego thing or because the diagram looks good. You're literally the center of, providing the information the and the data and the yeah. tools. Yeah, it's the hub. It really is. That is is what makes marketing run. And on, on that point, Scott, I, I wanted to pick up on a, a comment you made a, a few minutes ago in the conversation about chief of staff. This is something that came up in, in our last episode, actually. And it, it's always, um, it always kind of piques my curiosity as to this notion of uh, marketing operations, head, head of marketing operations, being in that chief of staff type role, it, it always makes me feel slightly uncomfortable because, you know, uh, speaking for myself, you know, I'm in a, in a corporate head of MOPS position and I'm certainly no Leo McGarry, um, but also wouldn't want to try and present myself as being, you know, in any way above the rest of the marketing leadership team or, or even first among equals. Um, I, I just wonder what that really means for you, what, what that position or that term means in, in that regard. So when I say chief of staff, chief of staff, you have a C title, but chief of staff has a view of all the elements. They're making sure that you stay aligned with the business goals, the targets and objectives that need to get hit. They are looking over the budget. They're looking over, is our organization functioning? Do, does the players have the right teams? Um, they're checking in with the stakeholders and the other business functions, finance, product, mm-hmm. operations, et cetera, sales. They, they're running marketing like a business. That's why I should do air quotes, chief of staff, <laughs> uh, versus you know, uh, someone who's going to come in and run marketing necessarily, although yeah. that is a stepping stone for sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, a good CMO has a good, strong head of moms. To me, they're lockstep. You cannot be successful today without that role. Mm. Maybe it doesn't have to be a chief of staff title. Yeah. Mindset is what I say. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Yeah. The, the mindset. And, and certainly I, I do like to try and keep a bit of an eye on things. You, you have a vantage point and you almost have a responsibility to say from here, I can see something over here that doesn't look right. Um, and, and I'm, and I'm, if I see something, I'm going to say something. 1000%. You just nailed it <laughs> because what happens when marketing or any organization stops functioning is, oh, that's their job. Mm-hmm. It's right. not getting in someone's business, so to speak. Oh, what you're yeah. doing is that's part of your value. You can, the reason you invest in these systems and these data models and all the things you do is so that you can help your stakeholders do their job better, see things that they can't see because they're like this and operating. Uh, you know, let's use the analogy. Let's play this all the way out. And, and mm. you guys can sanity check me here. <laughs> but it used to drive me nuts in the, you know, a few years back, you'd go and social media, here's all our social media stats. And then you go to the next, hey, here's our events and here's our events stat. No, 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 no. We know this is not rocket science, although it takes work to get this right. You start, you want to bring that data together. You don't want to be competing for buyer's attention. You want that those channels connected. You want that thinking. Well, guess who can do that better than anybody? Mops. Right. Because they don't have a they don't have a horse in the race. Because if you're in the social media team or you're the events team or you're the advertising team, if you're an enterprise, you have these functions. And someone has to be able to not just build dashboards and say, oh, here's all the reporting. Good luck. Mm. They have to be, well, wait a minute. It looks like when we bring these things to get a view of them, 
they need to be a counselor, right? And, uh, uh, and be able to interpret what it means and what you're seeing. And hey, let, and, and really important to the social media part, person, hey, let's see what these numbers mean. Let's see what you're trying to get to. What's your goal? Yeah. And then we can build the right things to help you. Yeah. So it's a very different, I think, Carla, to your point earlier, we're growing up in marketing mm -hmm. ops. <clears throat> and it's not always a perfect line. We're going to fumble and bumble. And, you know, maybe we're in our awkward teenage years or getting there. <laughs> Adolescence, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. Um, <laughs> yeah, which, which is why I like um, having analytics within marketing operations. And certainly I have a, a, an insight specialist. Um, and I, I use that term insight because I think what you're saying, Scott, is, you know, it's the interpretation and providing some some guidance, not not just churning out numbers and so on. So I, I agree. That's yes. important. Well, well summarized. Simon. Yes. Do you, do you know what? It's a couple of times now, Simon, that Scott's given you a thousand percent and well summarized. <laughs> so I'm sensing, Scott, you're going to get invited back on. Picking up on the point there about priority and prioritization. Um, any, any thoughts, um, and, and we're, we're really crunching on time here, but any thoughts on, um, just handling the, the, the overwhelming priorities that, uh, that marketing operations face. And, and I'm asking for a friend, obviously, um, how, how should MOPS <laughs> leaders handle that? And, and, you know, when, when their CMO or, or, or their boss comes to them with yet another thing that needs doing, what, what, what are some ways of handling that? Do you think? I'm not his friend, by the way, Scott, <laughs> not, <me. laughs> not, not anymore. I uh, got the, I got the nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Uh, comment there. So I learned uh, from other people, other leaders, as I was making my career, you bring back and say, here are the five things that we're focused on. What three are the most important to the business and have a conversation. Don't put that, don't sit there and stew like you're going to make this decision on your own. Get with that right group or with the CMO or with the CFO, whatever the initiatives are and say, look, we're, we're going to be competing for this. Here's the right priority. You may even have a point of view on what the right priorities are. That's when you know you're really in that getting into that business driver mindset um, that you can do that. So that's why it's unique at every company. Some companies, look, let's not complicate this. We have no infrastructure. We can't use any of our data. Job one is to get that in order, right? So that you can then do all this other cool stuff. Absolutely. We're well over time. So in a sentence, where do you see the future of marketing operations lying? You, you mentioned um, customer success previously as, as uh, along, I think, with uh, sales operations. Is, is revenue operations where, where we're headed? So I, I wrote about that about four years ago that I believe that would help the sales and marketing alignment thing. Mm -hmm. um, what, what happens along the road to revenue operations is marketing gets the, the number two position, right? Because sales is the revenue. So that's the way the perception is today, not in all organizations. And that's changing, but it hasn't changed yet. As mm -hmm. a, so you, you have to be careful, especially when you talk to MOPS or talk to a CMO. I need my team and my people there. So this whole revenue operations, if it's done as a, connected, integrated team, right. yes. If it's done simply to smash it together and marketing is kind of the, the, the number two to sales or operations, then I think that's a bad road to go down. Yeah. But I generally, yes, I think this whole coming together, and that's why I added customer success because I think it's gonna, or customer marketing even, it's gonna be critical that these pieces work together. If we have any hope at buyer journeys and delivering experiences and going through all this, you have to have the data set together. You have to have your process together. You have to be united on the different engagement. Otherwise we're back to spam central and we're just blasting people, you know, in different channels, et cetera, which is a different podcast for another time, but yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll stop there. No, thanks for that. Perfect. What spam got to do with it might be the next podcast we have to put on. Spam, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, look, oh, Scott. Love, Carl, that is so good. I'll just tell you that. <laughs> you're that. just going to take that. You you're you're registering the domain I, name I'm, already. I'm not only going to take it, I'm going to steal it and use it. 
<laughs> good for you well look thank you so much for spending time with us as i say we're hugely over time and we still haven't got through half the questions that we prepared for you but um it's been really really interesting to share insights with you and um where can our public find you are you linkedin is there any yeah other yeah i rant and rave and, and and learn and share on linkedin i'm a big believer in paying it forward thank <laughs> you so much for your time scott uh, thank you scott thanks for doing what you guys do for our community and it really makes a difference and and thanks for having me well simon another interesting interviewee there i think one to point out though is that the first time in my entire history in marketing that i've heard somebody say stop trying to align sales and marketing yes indeed um i don't think i've i've heard that before um although i think there's a there's a, a nuance around that and and essentially what scott was saying was it's it's about focusing on the the end goal and uh, and and outcome of that rather than than just using it as a as a piece of of kind of slang or jargon um but definitely re requires thinking about again i think and the differences that sales and marketing have, and it has kind of given me a bit of a perspective to look back on, because we say align sales and marketing quite, mm. quite regularly, Yeah. but then to look back on it, and they are still two different functions. So even if you are going to continue to align, don't try and make them one potentially. Mm. Yeah, no, I think so. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is a strange thing that that we're, we're so much trying to achieve the same outcome, yet um doing it in in such different ways and and uh not always seeing eye to eye so keep the authenticity of whatever right. your your department is or whatever you yeah are. yeah exactly exactly the other thing um sticking with the sales theme i suppose that that jumped out to me was the point about listening and how sales and marketing operations have that in common and i very much uh, concur with that or it, that resonates with me because i think in mops listening to what the rest of the marketing function is saying and what it's asking for uh, and being able to interpret that and, and process it and, and play it back is really important. So while certainly speaking for myself, I, I struggle to see myself ever doing a sort of a stint in sales or as, as a bag carrier, um, I just, just don't think I've, I've got it. And, and, you know, all credit to salespeople who do that day in, day out. But I think that skill of, of listening and understanding is, uh, is, is a crucial one to, uh, to have in common so perhaps uh, that is something that we can we can learn from sales and, um, and 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 develop as a skill alongside them yeah absolutely couldn't agree more and my business partner as i say we we, we rip it out of him quite a lot here's the words that come from his mouth uh, let me mm. play that back to you or here's what i heard um it is requirement gathering all that kind of thing really really super important to listen so absolutely. just uh, something you do without thinking about too too often i think in mm. Mm. All right, we better move on and find out what's next. And of course, it's time to speak to our marketing operations guest, Carla. Who are we speaking to? We've got a lovely guest joining us today. Um, a certainly a very smiley, happy guest. And one that was on time. We were just uh, giving you that a bit of it in the preamble. Anyway, um, introducing today, Emily Gravel. So Emily joins us as Senior Marketing Automation and Operations Manager for VMware, but um, has an interesting background. So Emily, tell us, how did you get to where you are right now? Yeah, so uh, it's great, one, great to be on. I'm happy to be joining you guys in an awesome podcast, so thank you. Um, I actually, the joke in my family is that I owe my career to my brother, who uh, actually started in FIRST Robotics, uh, and through my volunteer stuff with them, I got connected with somebody at actually Cisco to get my internship, and then subsequently kind of fall into marketing automation and operations. Um, right out of school, I was doing eloquent work, campaign operations, building emails, and then moved into um, admin things. I was a consultant for a little while, went back into admin, but with Marketo, um, and now at VMware and what was acquired by Carbon Black, doing that kind of work. At some point, I'm sure we will meet somebody whose life goal was to work in marketing operations. Didn't accidentally not, just right. get into marketing <laughs> operations. <Yeah. laughs> Join the list, Emily. Join the queue. <laughs> they'll, be, they'll be grown into it. It'll be fine. It'll, they'll get there. <laughs> okay, well, cool. So um, interesting that you're in your role, your current role. Tell us a little bit more about that, about your day-to-day -day role at VMware. 
Yeah, so um, some of the joys of acquisition is figuring out where to balance the work that you're doing on the old system and the new system. Um, I've been fortunate to start working in both. Uh, so not only am I working inside of the carbon black systems that are still standing up today, um, but also working inside of the core VMware systems as well. Um, standing in to manage a team of seven out of Costa Rica, shout out to them, uh, inside of that, um, being able to kind of help them manage and guide them into what they should be working on with like campaign ops and things like that and starting to move marketing operations into more of that strategy conversation um, inside of the greater org. So you say a team of seven, tell me a little bit more, more about that. What does that seven, what, what's the roles or the, the departments within them look like? Yeah, so we, inside of my team, um, they are the Costa Rica-based group. Uh, we also have an India-based group, and then that is all led up um, by a wonderful marketer, Arun. Um, he is actually has 38 direct reports doing campaign operations, so no small feat in and of that. Um, and then up one level is actually rolls up to essentially like uh, program or project managers of not only MarTech, but like marketing operations overall uh, throughout the whole org. So it's pretty big. It's definitely like one of the largest marketing operations slash automation groups that I've worked in. Um, but definitely something you get to learn something new from everybody in the group every day. So it's definitely a treat. Yeah, it sounds like it. And and so you've got seven direct, but at scale, it sounds like there's more there. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> but how do you stay in touch then if you're all so remote and, and so global? How does the, the is it easy to keep that conversation and, and workflow happening? Yeah, I think the global aspect of it, I mean, we all saw it through COVID um, inside of being just remote generally, just even in the US here, it's going from an office into everybody remote, having a truly global team. Um, obviously presents itself with natural challenges of time zones and things like that, but having this open line of communication around, hey, this is what's going on with me, I need help, and having that kind of conversation open constantly helps with um, cross-team, not only morale, but like engagement with stakeholders and things like that. Um, so definitely the continued key is ongoing communication, which is great. Um, I, I was interested to to to, to reflect back on you were saying that you've got both legacy systems and um i guess go forward systems having come into to vmware through the acquisition so are you is that a is that a a go forward position or are you looking to merge those those systems together ultimately and, and what are the kind of challenges you're facing there yeah i think one we are looking to merge those in i think anytime we um acquire an or an organization into vmware um, actually, there's a specific position just for that. And her whole job is to say, okay, what do we have in the two systems? How are we going to merge them together? And how are we, I think, so to your question is what's the most important point? It's figuring out how the systems moving over obviously play well together, but also how do the people play well together? Going from a company that was 5,000 and under now to VMware, this massive organization, how are people gonna shift the way that they not only work with each other, but also work with the greater org in order to make sure that the engine keeps running, right? Um, so I think that's one of the biggest obstacles generally, uh, whenever you're shifting either systems or processes at all. Right, and um, how, how are you handling that? Is there a specific kind of mindset or approach or um, is, it, is it a case of, of dealing with it day by day? I think we there's usually like a set time that you say, hey, we're gonna shoot to migrate at this time. The end at the end of it, it's all about partnership and making sure that we're all over communicating. It, it goes back to the communicating part. <laughs> what are we communicating about? Why are we asking these questions? Why are we using this process instead of that process? What are we gonna lose by moving here? What are we gonna gain and things like that? So creating that open conversation um, around that migration is really important. Um, and then taking your stakeholders along for the ride enough that they're not overwhelmed because we all know how deep and like deep into the processes and things marketing ops can get so how can we make sure that stakeholders are brought along for the journey um but don't need to know that the rest api code for first name is actually first dot name dot <laughs> right so <laughs> yeah yeah no for sure um yeah that communicating piece uh is, is definitely a recurring theme and, and i can i can relate to that and um that the balance between what you communicate is a, is a fine one too. C certainly, yeah, REST API configuration, pro probably not. Um, but I mean, I got tripped up just very recently where 
I realized that somebody didn't know that we'd integrated two systems and therefore had a feed. And um, in, in essence, she almost fed back a set of data that had come you know out of the system and and was trying to say oh here, here's the data by the way i'm like okay wow i've really really done a bad job of, uh, of explaining to you what we've done here so um it's uh it's it's, it's always a, a kind of a work in progress isn't it and i think the biggest thing too um is just making sure that when we're moving even as something as tactful as assets so we've carbon blacks asset library massive so what ones are you moving over first what ones have gotten no responses over the last six months? And it doesn't like it matters, but you know, it hasn't had a response in six months. So we're going to put effort into the ones like the demos, the really hot, like Forrester reports, right? Even at a smaller level of those kind of prioritizations is really important too. And so it sounds like you're working with offshore teams as well. Is that, mm -hmm. is that did I understand that right? Yeah. Um, and uh, so uh, another question, kind of question that I'm always interested in is to what extent you're executing on behalf of the wider marketing function? Um, are you taking briefs and, and building out campaigns and assets and so on? Or is it more of a kind of a, I don't know, an advisory and, and um, infrastructure type, type role that your team has? Yeah, so we are full service. They will send us a file and we're building the program, we're building the email, we're building landing pages and everything in between. Uh, I think in your last podcast, you were talking with someone about the introduction of essentially a self-service model. Um, we're in the process of managing that right now and figuring okay. out how we can kind of, again, inside of your partnership with your stakeholder, what's the balance? Where are where do they need to go faster for product launches or um, asset launches? And where can they just wait a little bit longer for these things? So what are the things we can actually help them with and have it meaningful back to them? Um, yeah. A lot of the time, so at VMware, that's what we're shooting for. At Carbon Black, before we were acquired, uh, we stood up uh, basically service levels. So we had full service, uh, light service, and self-service. And the whole point of it was to bring somebody from the journey and self-service when they started to, or full service when they started to self-service at the end. And there were a series of trainings and check boxes that they needed to get off and all these other things um, to kind of move them into that evolution. Um, and that's hopefully what we're shooting for inside of inside of VMware. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. And are you using um, this is a, another topic of interest of ours and, and particularly Carla's. Are you using a, a work management uh, solution at all, a work front or um, yep. Asana or something like that? Yeah, so we are pretty very much a work front house. Uh, okay. Right now, I think one of the cool things is with Workfront being connected with Adobe now, there's so many opportunities to kind of connect those dots and figure out not only, I mean, our job in marketing operations has evolved from, hey, I sent emails into let's be strategists together. So using the tech, especially even like in the ticketing system, which seems right. so like mundane, but it, there's so much opportunity to say, yeah. how are you asking the question and how you ask the question or how you have filled the form for the request process makes a huge difference sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I'm hugely passionate about workflow management, so I could talk to you like about that, that all day and work <laughs> as well. It's a good thing to be passionate, it's pretty fun, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. It's, it's one of those where nobody really wants to talk to me about it. So anyway, I'll hey, move on. I'll grab so, a coffee any time and talk about it. I'm good. <laughs> cool. So marketing operations then, and, and the whole point of this podcast is to try and understand what it means to various different people in various different industries. So what, what are your key learnings? What's your key feelings about marketing operations and what its function is within your industry and your business? Yeah, so um, marketing operations, like I said earlier, has evolved from um, when I first got my job, my parents said, what What do you do? And I said, you know those emails that you get that you delete? Don't delete <laughs> them, open them and click on them because that makes me allow, allows me to have a job. So now we've moved into how are we actually connecting tech to one another? Um, and now my talk track is, you know how you get an ad on Facebook and then an ad on the web and then an email that all say the same thing. I make the technology do that. And people are like, it's witchcraft. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. How do you know that I wanted those Tom's shoes? It's fine. So <laughs> inside of that, um, I think marketing ops is definitely moving into the seat at the table that we have been trying to get to. Right. And I think this podcast is a great opportunity to kind of showcase that and say, Hey guys, Marketing Ops has been making the show run underneath the engine for the last X amount of years. It's time that we're, we know a lot of stuff. When you think about a house over the last 
few years, the evolution of marketing has been, is the house pretty? Is the house decorated well? And now we're going down to the foundation of, is the base of the house built well? What are the things that we're actually doing? And can we build the addition or not? And things like that. So making sure that we're moving into this strategy role with MOPS, you can see it through like the job postings that are coming up and things like that. So it's definitely um, moving into that strategy role. Yeah, there's definitely a shortage of marketing operations specialists as they, as they are right now. But yes, uh, yeah, I don't, do you know what? I think that's a really nice explanation, that kind of the foundations and everything really growing out of the ground now of what marketing operations is. But interestingly, let's go back to the point where you said there's sort of seven of us. So yeah. how on earth are you managing everything that you're doing with literally that few hands and, and feet to be able to do anything? Yeah, I mean, it's one of the funniest things. I was talking to one of my coworkers the other day is that there's certain characteristics of an operations person in general in that they can have their hair on fire and they'll be fine. Like that's just how we exist as humans in operations. So inside of having a lot of workload, we learn to prioritize. We learn how to work with each other and lean on each other for these different things. I think, again, it goes back to the communication side, creating the foundation of a good communication option um, and then also not being afraid to ask for help. So I go on my one-on-ones and I say, okay, what's wrong or just vent or something like that. And then them unleashing or like letting themselves either complain about something or say, Hey, this isn't working allows us to kind of move it forward. I think one of your episodes, you were talking about what's your problem and come to me with your problem. Let's fix it. And marketing ops is definitely one of those things where if you come to me with your problem, I can fix it. But if you come with like, hey, this is what my solution is, I'm going to go back and figure out what the problem is so I can give the right option. Yeah, um, that is my new strap line. And I actually used it in a meeting uh, the other day where I said, don't bring me your uh, solutions, bring me your problems. And uh, it got quite a good reaction, actually. So uh, pe- people do kind of appreciate that. Um, but it is it is important um to 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 have those conversations and and sit down with people and and understand where they're coming from and so on um when when you're doing that is that with your your peers and um you know other other heads kind of across across the marketing function or or wider than that yeah i think so obviously it starts with their team because they're the ones inside of the house where they're building the campaigns we have to know what's going on with the campaigns but i'm having conversations across the marketing org to say so somebody at a franchise side what are you coming up with and what it, what's the obstacles that you're having in order to get it down to my team and being able to kind of see that full funnel of idea to execution. What are we actually missing? Where are the gaps that we're having? Naturally, a large organization has gaps and that's what we're like working through right now is saying, okay, where are the gaps? What can we do to fill those? Is it a technology thing? Is it an education thing? Is it a person thing? And then you go through that exercise and you learn so much more about not only the people that we work with, but also the systems that are interacting with that as well. I think, Simon, you may have your strap line about come to me with problems, not solutions. But uh, I think Emily nailed it earlier when she said we walk around with our hair on fire. I think that's <laughs> the strap line for marketing operations. Yeah, so, certainly. The, great uh, t-shirt line. <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely the bumper sticker. So, so like just bringing it to uh, its progressive close then, the future, the future of marketing operations, where do you think we're going? What does it look like? And I guess that's for you in your role, in your business, as well as generally the wider marketing operations world. And, and yeah. just to add to that, um, reflecting on your, your prior experience uh, in, in sales operations, because I see that was part of a role that you had, what, where do you, is that a convergence that you see taking place mm-hmm. uh, in, in the future and, and for the future of marketing operations? Yeah, so over the last, I'd say this idea came to me in the last week is that we're seeing all these CMOs now that have product experience. So a few years ago, product was like this huge hey, we're going to do product marketing. We're going to focus on the product, really push that. And there's foundation around that as well to say, okay, how are we making sure that one of the core aspects of our organization is moving into the the limelight essentially. So now marketing operations is kind of having that same moment, right? And saying inside of how we're moving towards the future, Carl, of marketing operations, and then with sales, especially, how are we kind of playing quote unquote, playing well with sales continually. It's an ongoing partnership and making sure that inside of basically the new wave of CMOs is going to have this foundation of how are we working together as an organization tactfully and moving forward as a unit with 
people, tools, and tech, and making sure that we're showing not only our strength as an organization, but our strength as a group of people that love marketing. And marketing ops is one of the greatest like art forms that we can have because we have inside of business, you have the art of marketing and then you have this structure of this tool does this or this tech does this. And you have that huge big picture that ties it all together and being able to kind of move that forward and get that into obviously the seat at the table, the interesting conversations with coworkers, the evolution from I send you spam emails to I connect everything together inside of a giant ecosystem is it's just going to keep getting into that higher visibility and higher limelight for that. So I'm excited. Awesome. It is exciting, isn't it? You know, everybody that we talk to, we just say it's exciting. It feels like it's here. It's now it's changing yeah. um, and getting to talk to fantastic people like yourself uh, who, who previously we didn't know who you were. You didn't exist. <laughs> so uh, marketing operations unite, I guess uh, it's a little bit Avengers. Uh, slightly sick in my mouth statement there, but anyway, <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> Emily, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time today um, and just enlightening us with, with what's going on with you. Uh, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, know any more, where do they find you? Usual LinkedIn? Usual LinkedIn. Definitely a, a staple on the computer on a very regular basis. Reach out. It's got to be technology, hasn't it? So yeah, if anybody does want to get in touch with Emily and uh, tap into her pearls of wisdom um, or indeed uh, connect up with her or for any more opportunities in the podcast world that she may like, um, drop her a line on, on LinkedIn. But thank you, Emily, for your time and I uh, hope to speak to you one day soon. So super interesting, Simon. Um, right. For me, I think my highlight was around um, Emily's description of, of the foundations um, and also her description of how she explained what marketing operations did. You know, we, we put all the stuff together. We do the technology and the witchcraft that, that figures out what you want, you know, the marketing that you want. That was... I just think really well described. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, absolutely. I think she absolutely nailed it in that in that regard. And like like I said, that that common theme of communication uh, coming through, letting people know what you're doing, uh, explaining the, the the priorities and 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 what's what's coming up and um, and and why certain things are being uh, are being done, and also that sense that marketing operations is a little bit you know emerging from the darkness and, and blinking in the sunlight and while it's absolutely about foundations um at the same time it, it's important that those foundations are visible if that makes any sense maybe stretching yeah. the metaphor too far helping people to understand what marketing operations is doing and the impact that it's having um and i also meant to say to emily during the conversation because she kept referring back to uh, to previous episodes and so on and uh, how cool is that we've actually got guests that one are, listener <laughs> well we've got one listener that's that's one that's one definite bonus and uh, also the ability to say oh yeah I, I remember you saying that in a previous episode so uh wow we must be... homework and passing yeah. yeah i mean she got a gold star just for turning up on time so that's two <laughs> gold stars at least now Absolutely. all set she'll be able to work in mcdonald's <laughs> yeah quite yeah quite. brilliant okay right. well look that was Let's really cool move on to the next thing indeed <laughs> And once again, we turn to our favorite stateside independent marketing operations guru, Courtney Makara. And Courtney, you're fresh back from uh, very bravely taking laser eye surgery. So I imagine you're seeing uh, 2020 vision all over again. And who, who wants that? Or uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe we can just rely on you for some clear-sighted marketing operations uh, yeah. uh, Ooh, good one. Good one. knowledge or something. <laughs> I am a uh, two weeks post post op, as as the medical doctors say, mm -hmm. and uh, slowly seeing better and better, and not fiddling with contact lenses anymore. Hooray! Woohoo! Um, We're all right. of a certain age. It's worth pointing out, right? right. We're all of a, of a similar age, I actually think. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and we were three poor eyesighted people we're now just the two of us right i was going to say yeah one way or another we've all got some sort of vision problem um i'm really not sure what that says about marketing operations <laughs> anyway courtney what shall we chat about today over our virtual coffee well fresh on my mind this week and after sitting in a dark room with blackout curtains and pondering life and, and mops <laughs> 
you know, it is the the great resignation, which is all mm -hmm. over, not just in the mops world and on LinkedIn. I mean, it's on every news channel that everyone's talking about. Everyone's changing jobs. And I just am curious, like, what does that mean? Why are people changing jobs? Is getting a new job, you know, a, a solution? Are people landing in good places? Um, and I'm, I've just seen so much of it. And then I started kind of asking friends about, you know, why did you change? And I had a couple that had a bait and switch situation. They changed jobs. They were promised work-life balance. Um, a lot of people with kids, you know, are trying to figure out the childcare situation. Right. Um, and then things, the grass isn't always greener mm -hmm. so that it can be a little bit scary, but then sometimes it is greener and, you know, the job that you're in could be really, really intense and really difficult and hard and, and so you do have the opportunity to change jobs. And what does that look like? Do you guys see the same thing over on, on your side of the pond? Do you know, it wasn't until you mentioned this that I had exactly the same conversation only yesterday with, with someone. Um, we're recruiting. We're trying to find some marketing operations consultants and um, somebody who I reached out to, who I worked with previously and, and found out that they had done the great resignation. Um, swooped in to try and get them. And they said that actually they'd had, the pandemic had made them have a rethink and they want to move into care. Really? Um, and, wow. and that might be a, a different flavor for you. But actually, I think the what's happened with the pandemic has just given people a, a new perspective. Um, and also it's given them a, a different view on their finances as well and what they need and what they don't need. Um, and yeah, so this this superstar that I was after is, is going to go be a superstar um, and look after someone else doing something completely different i mean that definitely is a, a a resignation from from not only job but also career and and a, and a complete change i guess and this is me curious uh, sorry simon but no, go ahead. why were they unhappy in that role is it yeah. do employers and companies obviously a lot of us work in tech have these like unrealistic expectations for the employees, but it's really unrealistic expectations for themselves, right? If they're pre-IPO or IPO, they're on the stock market, everyone's trying to do growth, right? Growth and revenue and the, the bar chart going up and to the right. Mm -hmm. And 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 is it is it attainable? Are we chasing the dragon that we'll never, you know, mm -hmm. find the end of? Well, look, I'm sure I could get them on and we could have a conversation about why why they resigned. Um, but uh, <laughs> but but for now, I think they were just generally unhappy. This is pandemic driven, though, right? Mm -hmm. um, it, this is no kind of coincidence. So it, 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 it I suppose it is about taking stock and, and looking what's looking at what's happened and, and the situation like you, you referenced, Courtney, the sort of work life balance and flexibility. Mm -hmm. I suppose those are. Are some of the factors that are that are, that are driving um, the the situation, um, even if it's not as far as a, a complete change of uh, a complete change of direction. It definitely feels like the pandemic is an influence, you know, a big influence mm. in this is probably, you know, that example that's probably been in their mind for for some time. The pandemic has made it become attainable right. and, yeah. and real. So, like everything, it's accelerated what was already absolutely. Happening. You know, and we can talk about how technology's uh, accelerated and innovation has has leapfrogged forward. But you mm. know, ultimately, people's work life balance and what they want for themselves after such a, a big hit, um, right. you know, emotionally as well as in yeah. their career over yeah. the pandemic, has just made people seek out different things. And I think what you said is the pandemic accelerated it and it was an influencer, but I don't think it would, I think it would have happened anyway. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we're starting to see the, the real billionaires and trillionaires in the planet and the things that they're doing. And, you know, we're the worker bees that are, you know, really struggling to get things done so that the, the, the 1% of the 1% can, mm -hmm. you know, live their crazy lifestyle. So I think it might've happened eventually, but this definitely like accelerated it and made people stop and think, well, wait a minute, you know, what am I doing with my life? Where am I spending my time, my energy? And I think the fact that everyone got to work from home and companies were able to say, oh yeah, we, we can set you up to work from home. We can make that happen, you know? And everyone's like, oh, I don't have to live in, um, you know, certain geographic areas because of my job. I don't have to spend time commuting. And it's just really awake, awoken people to what's more important. Do you know what? I think we're saying that the pandemic has given us all clear vision what we want in life did you like what i did there did you like that um, it, it's been it's been a human-wide uh laser eye surgery uh experience 
it's well it's never been described as that before but yeah okay <laughs> now have um, either of you considered uh like a geographical relocation of you know moving to a different you know yeah. drastic moves or local moves yeah well because it's now attainable you know it's now suddenly you can not just apply and you know it's interesting because before I live in the Midlands in the UK and actually getting to London getting to the city to be able to to have a job was quite difficult it's a couple of hours of, of commute there it's not even a thing now I can go to Europe I could even take a role in the US if if I wanted mm. to it's all virtual so so yes it has changed everything yeah I mean, I, I actually feel I, I live in in London, pretty much, pretty much downtown central London, and um, I I don't have any intention of moving, and I almost feel that I have to defend that decision, because you know everyone's meant to be leaving the cities and you know metro flight, um, and and I'm staying put, and you know I definitely don't need need to be here for my job. I go to the office once a week. I mean that's it's it's a pretty easy journey when I do it. It's just a hop across town um so that's not the reason but that's not the reason i lived here in the first place i mean i i didn't work in london when i moved into into central london so that that's not the reason um and i was i was out at dinner um the other night and it was buzzing so any any idea that it's a ghost town is uh, is really not true so um i'm i'm uh, i'm sticking where i am because um i don't need to 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 be anywhere else um, but that's you know, still very wonderful that you right. you know who you are and what you value and what you like yeah. and the kind of lifestyle that you want. And I think mm. a lot of people didn't realize they had that choice before. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, what what other insights have have you picked up, Courtney? Because I know you've been having some different conversations with people on on, on this kind of topic. Yeah, I mean, I think us in the mops world specifically, we do we're so lucky that we are on the cutting edge of this technology because as companies are pushing for more and more growth and trying to automate things, they are still going to need some, you know, humans on the back end. And so there are a lot of jobs out there and companies are trying to, you know, retain talent and uh, the, the concept of bringing mops across the rest of the business. It's really not just mops. We are really operational minded folk that can yeah. bring, customer service or even, you know, the finance and accounting teams and obviously sales and revenue together. Um, we really, I think, are primed to to maintain kind of the supply and demand of things. I think there are a lot of companies that are realizing we need to automate things and the, the marketing operations mindset is right at the forefront of that. And I think part of the unhappiness and the resignation is I think performance review processes in tech companies could use a little refresh, you know, they could, yeah. they could use some laser eye surgery to, <laughs> to, you know, take the lens off and start it anew because there's, there needs to be growth and opportunities and how, how are we measuring success for these employees in their roles and how are we, you know, giving them positive feedback or avenues for, for learning new technology and change and things like that. Yeah. Do you know what's quite quite refreshing is actually a, a few podcasts ago we were having a conversation about how difficult it was to to hire people in the marketing operate operation space and now it seems like that word's getting around and all of the marketing operations uh, employees are now picking roles that suit their situation whether that be lifestyle or whether that be skill set so actually they they get to almost write their their role a little bit now um mm. so it, it's good to see that move i think um it's just disruptive yeah and within marketing operations also i think um may, maybe now is the time to to start really um taking advantage of the opportunity to to to, to show the benefit that that marketing operations can deliver and you know if if people are leaving or or agitating to leave because they don't feel like their their role is valued or they're making enough contribution you know is, is to go to, to leadership and say look if we don't uh, if you don't give me uh, more more sort of visibility and um and, and engagement then you know i can't pass that down and and, and people are going to start leaving um so and i mean i i I do feel like you know marketing operations is is emerging a little bit. I mean, we've 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 talked about this uh, again on the podcast, um, in, in a little bit out of the back room and starting to become a bit more appreciated. Um, so um, you know that that could be 
that could be part of it. You know, if you're if you're a mops person or in a mops team that you just don't feel is is being appreciated, then um, you're you're gonna you're gonna join the exodus, I guess. And let us know <laughs> if mm. you are one of those people. Let us know. We'd love to talk to you. Yeah. Well, I, I literally <laughs> had <laughs> I literally had someone come to me the other day saying that he 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 had a client who he thought needed a marketing operations person and you know did did i know anybody so um yeah there's there's growing appreciation for it for for sure well um let's uh let's leave it there that that point about measurement of marketing operations um and how how you know mops people are valued could could well be a, a good topic of conversation for another time so meet you back here for a, another coffee next time sounds good thank you take and if you need any clear-eyed marketing operations consultancy, you can find Courtney on LinkedIn, of course, and at mustangmartech.com. So that's our podcast. Carla, what have we learned? Yeah, so much today, Simon. So let's start with Scott in our marketing leaders section. A um, couple of points I'd, I'd written down there. Firstly, how great is it to hear somebody to saying stop aligning sales and marketing when that's what we've been doing for our entire career? It's uh, the, the the counterintuitive viewpoint, but I think it makes a lot of sense. And um, it's it's about um, thinking about things in a, in a different way for, for me. And indeed, you say thinking, listening, listening skills was another thing that Scott mentioned. And, and we talked about how we need to be great listeners before we become great communicators. Then we moved into Emily's section, uh, the marketing operations leader section. Emily gave us a great description of marketing operations, how we are doers, enablers of marketing, the engine room. The, the people that are making stuff happen. And, and I thought that was really exciting, really good script. Um, she also mentioned how we need to be great at communication, letting people know what we're doing, um, how we're improving things, how technology is working. Um, and the theme last thing that, emerging here. Yeah, well, there is, isn't there? There is a theme emerging. And, and the last thing that she mentioned that I thought was super exciting was this is us coming out from the dark. This is us right. coming out from under our rocks and starting to become marketing operations in the forefront. So... Uh, yeah, great session. And what about Courtney and the great resignation? Well, I think for me, uh, what that's saying is that we need to build great teams with fulfilling work and persuade people that they shouldn't leave and don't want to leave and uh, that, that um, you know, we're, we're all the place to be. And I, and I think that reflects back on, on what Emily was saying about emerging from the dark, because certainly from a marketing operations perspective, you know, it, it's becoming just an increasingly great place to be and a great part of the marketing function. So we should be, uh, we should be in, in good shape, but uh, who knows? Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I hope that this great resignation wave is a really good thing for marketing operations and our people finding the, the right roles and the right recognition they deserve. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Good stuff. So there we go. That's the end of the podcast. On to next time. Absolutely. Rate us and share any comments on your preferred podcast platform. You can always get in touch with us and we look forward to seeing you again back here next